into play-by-play cast it is the podcast about play-by-play broadcasters for play-by-play broadcasters hosted by a play-by-play broadcaster a professional development podcast that talks about the tips tricks experience stories process and preparation of some of the biggest and best names in the play-by-play business our guest today is connor onion from everywhere uh big 10 network fox sports espn uh does a little bit of it all uh connor thanks for stopping by Joel, thanks for having me. I, I still hear that intro in Sean Sullivan's voice, by the way. The <laughs> play-by-play podcast about play-by-play announcers hosted by play-by-play announcer. So The problem is that now I would have to have him, like, go somewhere to record it because I can't just walk into his office with a with a Zoom. <laughs> right. So right. We've had, I, I can't hire an imaging guy. This is shoestring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like I should say long, long-time listener and uh, first-time caller. First time caller. Uh, but... All that is true, and, and I'm happy to be on. Um, a, a lot I want to dive into, but the very first thing, uh, tell me about Bill Raftery, because I feel like everybody, as soon as they found out who you were in broadcasting, was like, this guy has to do a game with Raft. Uh, so yeah. how did the whole Onion thing go over? Yeah, um, so we did the Tennessee-Michigan State exhibition game, which was raising money for, for Maui uh, with the, the fires in Maui. And, um, that was, you know, that was where we started that broadcast. Um, as much as we wanted to have fun with the onion thing, we obviously could not do it there. The focus was on, we're raising money, um, for, for that. But at halftime, I was like, you know, we, we got 30 seconds here. We got to do something. Cause like you said, this is, this is the thing that everybody that learns what my last name is talks to me about. So uh, the morning of the game, uh, before shoot arounds, before I even had breakfast, I go to the grocery store and I buy nothing else but just two onions. And um, I've got them in a jewel bag the entire day that I'm spending with Bill Raftery. He never asked. Um, I don't know if he knew, but thought that I was trying to surprise him with something, but he never asked. So I'm standing there, Bill Raftery and Tom Izzo. Bill Raftery and Rick Barnes, the two head coaches at shoot around with onions in my hand and Bill doesn't even know it, or at least doesn't acknowledge it. And then uh, surprised him with them at halftime. And uh, you know, you know how Bill is. He, he likes anything that's fun. So he played right along with it and uh, turned into, turned into a little, a little bit of an internet bit there for a minute. Um, aside from the, the gag of it, uh, I feel like in the realm of, people you'd like to have as an analyst he's fairly high up there uh what was that experience like yeah um you know I I think I can speak for the both of us and that we've spent most of our lives listening to him um and you you feel like you have a pretty good beat on the people that you hear a lot but Bill's so interesting because like he he just kind of he sees stuff that's interesting and then he'll just say it like there's not really a formulaic approach to how he calls a game. Um, and, and I knew that like he's, he's pretty off the cuff and um, you know, he can, he can go down a very entertaining path very quickly, but like, even if he just sees like a quick back screen and you might be in the middle of your call, he's ready to call it out. So that was a little bit of an adjustment, in like the first five to six minutes of like, you might get, you might have him interject with something, but it's always going to be something that's useful and, in good that you can play off of. So that was really the only thing outside of, um, you know, we came back from break one time and I said, welcome back to the Breslin center. I'm Connor. And then I laid out and he just went, 
onions <laughs> like like reintroduced me for myself so that was that that was one of the highlights of the day working with him too did he know that that was coming or did you just have to look at him i i just kind of looked at him i was like <laughs> i'm connor and then he he took it from there so that's um, awesome he, he didn't really have to be prompted on that because he he knew what we were doing he, he he knew why we were sitting next to each other um, this probably gets too much into the nitty gritty for like question two, but um, you mentioned it. So I kind of want to go down that road when you work with different analysts, particularly really high caliber analysts like a Bill Raftery. Um, what's it like for you feeling them out and understanding who wants to talk where, how much they want to talk, what they want to talk about? Will they have fun with you? Um, especially with how many different sports you call. And how many networks you work at you work with a lot of different people um kind of walk me through what that process is like for you once the lights go on yeah um i i feel like there are ten thousand different ways i could take the question uh which means it's it's a good it's a good topic and good conversation um you know with uh, it's basketball season so basketball is kind of top of mind uh shoot arounds are really where i'm kind of feeling that out and you know, as much as I like to lead a conversation with a coach and I have stuff that I go into those conversations that I find interesting to ask about, um, I'm I'm usually as interested, if not more interested, in hearing what questions my analyst is going to ask the coach it's because, like, that's where their eye is going to go during the game. Um, you know, I, I did I did the, the Illinois Northwestern game a couple of weeks ago, and um, the first – five minutes it was me one-on-one -on -one with the northwestern coach my analyst wasn't there yet not that my analyst was late um the team just showed up early um and i happened to be there already and um i didn't really have that time to to feel it out because i had kind of burned through two or three of the topics that i wanted and then the analyst jumped in you know five ten minutes into the conversation and then i was like okay if, if this happened at the beginning of the conversation, I could have been talking about the 2-2-1 pressure that we're going to see tonight or um, maybe the zone offense that one of the teams is going to run. So that's usually where I like to start. Like as much as I get ready for the game and see things that I think the analyst is going to be interested in, I don't really know until I talk to him on the phone that week or or see him at shoot-around. Um, what sport of everything that you handle do you feel most comfortable in and with? Oof. Um, I, I really want to give you a direct answer, <laughs> but I feel like, I feel like there are four. Um, okay. But football, basketball, baseball, volleyball would be like varying degrees of comfort. It's like volleyball probably took me the longest cause I never played it. Um, I did have a cousin that played it and I, I grew up around a little bit and, and followed it closely and, you know, being in Muncie, like volleyball is the volleyball, volleyball capital of the nation, volleyball capital of the nation in Muncie. So um, being around it quite a bit in college uh, definitely helped. That was the one that probably like hit me the latest, I would say, as far as the comfort. But I've also done the most of it since I started at Big Ten Network. Yeah. Uh, really, really, even going back to my first job out of college at Southern Illinois, um, we we had 15 to 20 matches at home every year. And we did all of them. Um, and that was more than 
more than basketball because basketball was getting picked up by CBS or ESPN. And uh, we just didn't have as many dates that we got to do. So those are, again, I want to give you a direct answer, but I'd say those are, those are the four. Uh, let's dive into volleyball a little bit because I, I don't know if people, I guess they might realize more now, now more than they have, but I don't know if people realize that volleyball is one of the most watched things on big 10 network and is actually one of the more valuable properties that they have um, with a fan base that is knowledgeable and that cares because it is the best conference in the country for that sport. Um, what's it like for you learning and obviously you just said, like you came with a little bit of a base, but uh, learning on that stage, um, like you're calling the, the number one team in the country in a sport that you didn't play and you didn't grow up with um, necessarily. Uh, what's the, I don't know if pressure is the right word, but like, what was your mindset like um, getting to the point where you're like, you know what? I, I now rock this sport. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if I'm at a point where I can say I rock this sport. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I don't raise that too. Yeah. But you know what uh, I mean? I don't, you know, I know I, I do what you meant. Um, I, I definitely felt that pressure when I first started doing it. You know, it was, it was COVID times when I first started doing big 10 volleyball and we're doing it out of the studio. And, um, you know, I, I had called Missouri Valley volleyball for four or five years prior to that. Um, but you know, from, you know, a 500 person gym to, you know, at COVID times, there was nobody in there, but I, I think about the first match that I did at Wisconsin, they have 8,000 people there. It, uh, it feels like the Hinkle field house of volleyball. And if you're, if you're not accurate and if it's obvious, you don't know the terminology of volleyball, they, they're, they're very nice people, but they're, they're going to tell you about it as, as they should. Um, but I think that's what's helped the growth of the sport is that the fan base, especially in Big Ten volleyball, I'd say has a very similar expectation to a college football fan base. So, um, yeah, there there was a little bit of pressure in that. And I probably put a little bit of pressure on myself when I first started doing it. But I think working with Salima and Emily and um, Audrey Flaw and some of the analysts that we've had that have done it for a long time, like they, they helped reinforce, like, you got this dude, like you, you know what you're talking about and you're helping set us up in a, a place where we can do what we do best too. Um, how many games do you call in a week? I guess based on the season, but <laughs> yeah, fall there, there were a couple in the fall where, um, I was, I was pushing it for sure. Um, and <laughs> There, there were a couple of five game weeks in the fall, which I, I, I think back on uh, sleepily a little <laughs> bit because I, I would just crash at the end of those weeks. But, but I, I loved the, the chase and the, um, you know, the, the challenge of trying to compartmentalize all those things, um, and, I, you know, I don't, I don't know how many of those there will be ever again you know i i hope i hope to keep working and to keep working at that rate but um you know going chicago to miami back up to madison wisconsin to atlanta for a high school football game to whatever big 10 city like it's 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 crazy and i i got really lucky with travel 
that's that's another part of it. You, I mean, do you have any good? I mean, I guess based off that, nothing crazy happened. But you cut you cut it close. There was uh, there was one where there were only a couple of there. There was a delay. There were only a couple of flight options out of Washington D.C. And I ended up driving with help. I had I had two people with me that that helped me drive from Washington D.C. to Bloomington, Indiana, and ended up making meetings for my game and making the game just fine. But there was a moment of doubt there where it was like, you know, I got I got one flight option out the next day, and if I don't make that, I'm not making this game. So a little bit of that, but again, I I got super lucky and. Um, you know, it, it was, it was a very ambitious fall schedule, but, um, never got to a point where I had to make that, that dreaded call that we all have of, Hey, I know I said yes to this game it's <laughs> or I'm not going to be there. So uh, um, this, this feels like a, an HR question, but, um, how do you, how do you, uh, how do you keep your head straight? How do you juggle so many things? Like, how do you multitask in, in such a way where if you've got, five games going on in a week. Um, number one, like you got to get everything done. You got to travel everywhere. Um, but also, I mean, like I think back to when I was at Ball State and we would do a bunch of different games and you'd be in the middle of a basketball game and I would think of something and be like, nope, wait, no, no, no. That's the basketball <laughs> game for Friday. Um, what's your process of making sure you're present when you've got so much going on around you? Being a very absent friend. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, but not really. Uh, I, I, I think like that, that was part of it too, is like my, my summer this year, uh, was a lot clearer because I wasn't doing minor league baseball anymore. Um, so like I had, I had a little bit more time to prioritize my personal life and, um, like I, I don't have any problem sharing this with our audience. Uh, like I've been in a relationship for eight years. Um, and that was the first summer where like, I could actually take my girlfriend on dates and just be a little bit more of a, a normal human and hang out with some it's of actually, my friends. That's, that's quite impressive that you made it eight years until. <laughs> no, like... I know, but, but you know, like minor league baseball season, that's like the absolute worst time to try to be in a relationship. Um, but, but I think like just having that foundation and setting it a little bit stronger in the summer um plus having that time to get ahead on some of the prep work um that that really really helped um like going going minor league baseball season to volleyball slash football the previous years before that i mean it was like it was all it, it was like crossover season in november that we typically run into yeah. um but this year i i knew what leagues i was covering I knew most of my assignments and I could work ahead a little bit to where, um, you know, I, I might be, I might be working on a two or three game week, but I've already researched the quarterback that I have in week seven. That makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, in terms of games that you've called, um, and I, I don't want to jump around a little bit, but I'll go back to volleyball a little bit here. Um, because the biggest game I think you've called, and maybe you would, maybe you would disagree, but the biggest game I think you called this year was a volleyball match, um, yeah. because it was the world record for the largest attendance ever at at uh, Nebraska. Nebraska, yeah, I don't. Wow, um, it was at Nebraska, ninety thousand people, um, and I've seen other interviews where you talked about 
like walking into the tunnel and just taking it in for a second and like calming your heart rate down and saying like, hey, like, let's just go have a normal call. But take me back even before that. What did you think when you got the assignment and Big Ten Network says, hey, we got this thing that's going to be historic. We'd like you to call it. Yeah, um, I was I was obviously flattered. And I think I I think I said thank you like five times. Like, I'm I'm really, really appreciative that uh, you, you trust me to, you know, you, you talked about it before. Like, this is the sport that Big Ten Network, I think, has been right at the front forefront of of growing to an international audience. Um, and the fact that, you know, I was I was kind of given the keys to to help drive that show really, really meant a lot to me. And I said, thank you five times. Um, I think it, it took it took a, a few days to process like, wow, we're we're going to have ninety two thousand people there or at least we expected some number that was close to that. Um, and and you're right. Good, good research by you. I'm not surprised. The the king of prep, Joe Gaudet. Um, you know that that's the only broadcast I've gone into where um, I did have to like go back into the tunnel and go into the bathroom and collect myself a little bit, just because the sea of red was kind of overwhelming, and it was a watershed moment in the sport too. Of like we knew people were watching, we knew people were paying attention, but did. Did I or a lot of the people that I work with think it would come to this? No, no. And there, there I was, five minutes from error, having to kind of, kind of remove myself from some of those emotions. Was there anything different? Um, because you're in a, like in a natural setting. Like, was there something weird about you're trying to call the game and this is out of place, and you had to make an adjustment because it's just different than what you're used to. Um. I, I'm trying to think back on it. It's been a few months, but you know, I I'm, I'm almost positive I laid out more, um, and that's just because like that that was kind of our game plan as a crew going into it was like we're gonna let our director, for lack of a better term, we're gonna let our director eat a little bit, <laughs> and uh, I I tried not to get too caught up in like looking around. Like because what I described to you with um, the the moment that this was and the history that we expected that night, uh, I was trying, I was trying not to look around and be like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, ninety two thousand people are here. What are we doing? Um, and, and you know, I I did take a peek every once in a while. You you have to to I think capture that for the people that are at home, but. Um, it was harder to stay locked in in the court compared to other games, just because it's like, it was like a massive party going on around you. Uh, the, the students are all around the barricades outside of the court. Um, everybody's wearing red around you. And um, it was, it, it wasn't, it wasn't easy to just stay locked in on the court. I'll, I'll say that. Let's dive into letting the director eat a little bit. Um, we had yeah. Drew Carter on the podcast uh, last week. And, and he talked about, we talked about the definition of show. Like he refers to his broadcasts as shows as opposed to games, um, which I thought was an interesting distinction. And uh, I'm curious what your experience is like working with producers and directors as teams and you as the play-by-play voice being a part of said team. 
um, as opposed to like the singular voice driving the train. You know, I I feel like when when we get taught about the the job of a play by play announcer, it's like you're the train conductor. You've got to set up the analyst and you've got to communicate with the director and the producer. But it almost feels like as as at least as I've gotten older in television, it's less of you being a conductor and more like you're a part of the you know, like the mystery crew from Scooby Doo. Like, right? It's like a team of five people all equally important. Um yeah what's your interaction like in terms of game planning and, and leading up to a, a broadcast? Yeah. Um, this is super random, <laughs> like something that just popped into my head when you asked the question, but uh, I was watching a Cardinals and Braves playoff game on TBS. I want to say maybe 2021. Um, Brian Anderson was doing the series and it was kind of a, a eureka moment for me of kind of that you know we, we always talk about chemistry with an analyst but uh, it was like a re- eureka moment for me with the chemistry between him and his director where i think he was going into a story about a braves player and then the director took him not not a completely different place but there was there was something interesting with uh the pickoff move of the pitcher and i think you know i i have never asked brian anderson about this but I assume, you know, he he caught the the visual cue on his monitor of audience is seeing this, director just saw this. I got to get off of this and and talk about what's going on with this pickoff move. So that was that was a moment to me where I realized like this is more than just the two people that are in the booth. This is the camera crew. This is the director. This is the producer, and and we're all working together to drive this thing. So. Um, the way I've tried to bring that into my own work is, you know, ask my director before or after the camera meeting, like, what are, what are your people seeing? Like, what are, what are they seeing in the stadium that, that might catch their eye? Um, what do you find interesting if, if you've covered these two teams before? Um, and, and I think that's kind of helped that relationship and, create less of a level of surprise if they go somewhere. Of course, you, they're always, of course, they're always going to be things that just happen organically. Sure. At, at least you have a little bit of an idea of how your director thinks. Have you gotten something from that where a director has said like, yeah, we, we just talked about this, that you had, you not asked that question, you would have not known before the game started. Uh, the, the volleyball match actually at, at Nebraska, um, the, the director, that I worked with that day was like, we're, we're going to show you the top seat in the stadium and we're, we're going to get a shot of the person that's at the absolute highest point, And we're going to pan down so that people can see how high up people are to see this volleyball match. And I think they also had a shot of kind of like the end zone camera that was furthest away from the court because the court was, I don't, I don't remember like the cardinal directions of it, but let's just say the court was on the, like the far north side and the end line was in the end zone. So there was quite a bit of space of what are your traditional end zone seats on the opposite side of the football stadium. Um, but people were still there and our camera crew got a shot of it. And uh, I was able to anticipate that a little bit because a quick conversation I had with the director the day before when we were doing a set of day. 
Um, how much has your use of talkback grown and or changed uh, over the, the, the last couple of years in TV? Yeah, I'd say I'd say quite a bit. And, you know, if it's somebody that I've done a game with 10 times, sometimes that can be silliness <laughs> in talkback. Whereas if it's your first time working with a producer, it's um, I'd, I'd say more business like and uh, you're, you're kind of getting a feel for how each of you sees the game. But uh, it's I'd, I'd say it's two or three times as uh, as much as it was when I was first getting started, for sure. Yeah, it's one of those things that takes a little bit of time to get used to in terms of getting all on the same page. And it's like, you think of a story and it's, you want to start in on it. It's like, you know, what, let me just let this guy know um, yeah. before we get to it. But yeah, no, it all goes together into trying to put something together seamlessly. Um, what is your game day prep look like? Uh, the only reason I ask is because for whatever reason, one of the things I remember about Connor Onion, the student broadcaster was you would always stand Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is just like you did this twice and it, it sticks out. Um, but I felt like you would always stand at the bucket stanchion during sh uh, layup lines, not shoot around. Um, and you would just like stand there and watch layup lines. Um, and I don't know if that was recognition of people or um, kind of getting your mind right. But what do you do to get yourself in the place you need to be before the broadcast starts? Yeah, that was mostly... Uh... You know, I've been sitting in music history class all week and haven't had time to watch film with these players, so I got to know what they look like. <laughs> that, <laughs> I mean, that, but that's a real life situation. No, for sure, for sure. I'll I'll still do that a little bit. Um, I, I feel like with the the places that I work and the resources that we're um we're, we're able to get to help our prep, uh, definitely helps in the film watching department. So I I usually know that um you know boo booey is the point guard for northwestern before i show up for the game not that not that i didn't know that as a student broadcaster but i was definitely less familiar um but it, as far as are you talking like the first hour that i'm at the gym when i yeah, talk about yeah, yeah for sure um I, i'd say i spend like some of that time you were talking about where i would stand under the basket like i probably spend more of that time hanging out with my partner that night and you know we've probably spent most of the day at shoot around together and um are, are pretty familiar at that point but you know just in case there's some last minute things and it, it's not always ball talk sometimes it's just kind of um kind of shooting the breeze a little bit and um you know this is this was something foreign to me before i started doing network games uh a talent stats person <laughs> Uh, didn't, didn't have those when I was doing games at Southern Illinois or, um, you know, some of the places that I freelanced before and not, not that we should, that's, that's not a, a shot at SIU. We, we absolutely should not have, but it's, it's an added benefit. And I always want to, um, kind of mine their brain a little bit and also alert them to some things that I might be looking at. You know, usually it's, you know, somebody's close to a thousand points or, you know, somebody's going to jump into the top spot in the big 10 and double doubles or something like that. Um, really, really simple, but I spend more time at the table now than I did as a student announcer back when I was fully invested in music history class. Um, music history is very specific, by the way. Uh, <laughs> does that ever come in handy? No, no, never. No, nah. you've never dropped like some Bach at some point. Maybe, may, I don't know. I, 
I say things and then I forget that I say them sometimes, <laughs> but, um, I, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, that was, that was a class where they would play you like a full orchestra and you had to identify every single instrument. It's the hardest college class I took. That's wild. And that is no indictment of the telecommunications program. of all That is simply this, this gen ed that I thought was going to be a breeze was the hardest class I ever took. How'd you do? I think I got to see. You know what? That's passing. I, I passed. I, yeah. it, was, it was my worst grade in college. And uh, yeah, I, I, I took it on the chin in that class real bad. Now that professor turns on TV and goes, that guy. Um, <laughs> he was no, there, there is no way that professor watches sports. <laughs> Just absolutely no shot. Very nice person, though. Um, yeah. Tell me what you do in game. Um, when you broadcast a big moment, something's happening. You get the sense that something's happening. Um, what's your approach in terms of how you build drama, how you execute calls? Like what's, what are the gears inside your mind doing and, and what do they look like? Yeah. Um, maybe did, did you have, did you have Ian Eagle on this podcast? Yeah. Okay. So I, I probably ripped this straight from the play by play cast. Um, but I, I can't remember the exact terminology that he used, but that was a moment for me where I was like, wow, that, that makes too much sense. Is that like, you, you can, you can drive a call in the first quarter, but it better not sound like your fourth quarter call. Um, and you know, you just, just from listening to Ian call a game, like that's, that's very, very apparent um, that, that he has, I don't know if it's like a one through 10 scale, if that's how he did, is that how he described it? But um, you know, you might be at a six in the first quarter, but you better be at a 10 by the fourth quarter. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's something that I'm, I'm still playing around with a little bit and trying to figure out some of those like levels within the game, I guess you would say. Um, it, it's, it's pretty easy when the game's tense in the final two minutes. Right. But it's like, how much do I drive it? in the first quarter. And I think football, football was the area this year that I really made a point to experiment with that because if somebody hits a 75 yard run and hurdles somebody in the first quarter, of course, you're, you're going to, you're going to go not all in on it, but you're, you're, you might give it an eight or a nine. Um, but do I have enough left in the tank to where if that same running back does that two quarters later, I can still, still get up a level. How much experimenting do you do on the air at this point where it's like, I'm today, I'm going to try this. Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd say still a, a decent amount. Usually it's isolated. Like I, I won't go into a game and say, I'm going to try five new things today. Right. But it's, it's usually a, a subtlety. Um, like maybe I'll, there, there's an Illinois, Minnesota game that I did. Uh, for football this year where um, I, I listened to a highlight from the week before and I, I just didn't really feel like I I drove a late game interception hard enough. Um, so this sounds like sing-songy and kind of broadcastery, but on, on some of the bigger plays in that game, I, I dragged out and emphasized a couple of syllables that I wouldn't have otherwise. I just wanted to to hear how it sounded and 
if I liked it. And there were a few times where I was like, eh, probably bury that one. Um, but I think I, I found something with our, uh, our boy, John Paddock, he threw the, the game winning touchdown in that game, cold off the bench on fourth and 11, zing, 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 three completions in a row. And, um, I, I forget exactly what, what my call, something about John Paddock's a hero at the end of the game was, was the call. And, um, I think I, I drove hero a little bit more than I would have in the past where, where I thought it was a little bit flat. So that was one, one small thing that I, I tweaked that week that I think kind of came out in a big moment. And I liked it a little bit. Paddock deep down the field. Paddock throws it in there. John Paddock, a hero for the Illini. So when we talk about listening back and, playing with some different things in your voicing uh how much especially considering you've got five game weeks sometimes uh how much are you listening back to things and getting a chance to actively review during the season as opposed to to kind of going back at the end yeah uh, a lot of it is i'd say postseason um now that crossover season for me ended two weeks ago or a week ago whatever it was um starting to to do a little bit more of that um it's it, it's really kind of hit and miss when the fall comes and i do have those five game weeks it might be in the back of an uber i pull up the record that i had on youtube tv of our game or i'm watching it back on the espn app and you know catching a few minutes of it it's it's never i shouldn't say never um but it's almost never like a full game or anything like that but uh it can be can be really really fleeting in those busy months in the fall is it frustrating for you when you watch stuff back or like how much is it like a yeah like, i like pained artist <laughs> there there is a lot of that um cuz i i'm sure you're the same way and yep. i i know i think i know for a fact that you are this way just from uh our, our time around each other but um like i'm i'm always looking for something and like i i might ask no, not even for a critique from somebody in the industry. Like, I'm curious what my buddy that's watching at home is thinking. And he'll be like, sounds great, dude. I'll be like, no, come on. Give me, give me more than that. Give me, give me something that like I can actually apply to my next game. And they're like, no, I thought you said the guy's name right. And you got excited on the dunk. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, that's, that's, that's very nice that you liked it, but I, I want to get better. Um, so, so Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm probably similar to you. Like I'm, I'm pretty hard on myself when it comes to this stuff. And I think you had, you had Adam Amin on one of your early episodes. And I think it was a two-parter and I think I listened, I listened to every second of that one when, when that came out, just cause I, I love Adam and, and listening to his work. And he, he said something similar where it was like, he was in college at Valpo and um, maybe he should have stepped out a little bit more and, uh, hung out with the guys at the dorm, but but he wanted to critique his stuff, and that's why he's calling NFL games now. So, um, yeah, it's definitely there's definitely an element of like the pained artist, like you described, listening back to it. Um, what do you do for your voice? Like, do you train your voice at all? Um, you know, real early, uh, you you probably remember this. Like, I, I was pretty monotone. 
and didn't have much energy when I was a college announcer. Um, and I did see, I did see like a music vocal coach for, for one session and I hated it. I, I was, I was doing breathing exercises through a straw and I was humming and doing, doing all sorts of stuff. And I was like, if, if, if this is what it takes, I don't want to do this. So I very, very sweet woman. Uh, Janet, if you're listening, I'm sorry, I didn't come back, but <laughs> just wondering whatever happened to you. Yeah. I mean, it 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 really wasn't. It was a classic case of it wasn't her. It was me. I, I just I, I just couldn't get myself there to where I was invested in, in in what she was teaching. And she's I've I've heard her sing. She's very good. Um, more of an opera artist than a play by play announcer. But um, that that was really my only I'd say formal training into like seeing a vocal coach or anything like that. Outside of that, it's just kind of been listen and and experiment like we were talking about before and uh, there there's still things that come out when i listen back to my own tape where i'm like that ah, that that needs to be refined but that's that's kind of the fun of it like if it, i think it would be boring if we didn't have those things when when we listen back to our stuff uh what's the goal for you what's next yeah um and how do you tackle that or like is it hard to live in the moment or or how do you approach the big picture that that's been the that's been the nice part about being pretty busy lately is like i i really have no choice but to live in the moment but then um like trying not to lose the long term within that which i think to like to me the long term is continuing to get better which means listening back to my stuff which like i haven't been as consistent as i would like over the past several months just cuz it's kind of boom, boom, hop in an Uber, go to the airport and rinse and repeat. But um, as far as like like a job goal, because I, I, I'm assuming yeah. that's what the question is, um, you know, I, I think I think baseball is something that I want to be part of my long term. Um, I, I shouldn't even say I think like I I'm I'm 99 percent sure that I want baseball to be part of my long-term and there's that 1% because like if, if something comes up that takes me off that path, fine. Uh, but I did miss it last summer, like not doing minor league baseball. And I know, I know that there, there came a point in your career where you were doing a bunch of minor league baseball and then um, a lot of stuff started happening in the college space and you weren't in it anymore. So um, yeah, I, I have, I have really good people to look up to in my home market. Um, you know, it starts going all the way back to Pat Hughes, Boog Shambi now with the Cubs, Len Casper, somebody I've listened to for a long time, Jason Benetti when he was here, Adam Amin, um, and you know, uh, Lisa Byington who's done the Sky Games, like she's she's killing it with the Bucks. Uh, and and I kind of look at that model as you know, you can do some network stuff, you do some team stuff, and and kind of blend those two things. So. I don't, I don't know. Like, I can't really say like, I want that job and I want to be doing those exact games, but I have a, a general sense, which is my big four in college of volleyball, football, basketball, baseball, um, softball too. I really like doing college softball and, you know, blending that with, with the team job eventually, whether that's, 
Major League Baseball or or the NBA or doing an NFL job or wherever that may be. Um, last question, because you do do so many things right now. Um, have you ever forgotten which network you're working for? <laughs> no, I I don't like, think... coming up next at Sports Center. Uh, kind of we're on Fox. I I don't think so, but of of course there are those like like programming things that you have to be aware of or um you know like like with the new the new rights deals you know when i'm doing an espn game it's more sec and acc centric whereas if it's a fox or a btn game obviously like btn is the big 10 um so there 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 are some things that i just have to keep top of mind mostly with like like for big 10 network like the big show is a big staple of what we're going to promote, which is the nightly recap show. Um, if it's an ESPN game, it's probably Sports Center. So I might cross-reference some stuff. Like, you know, this morning I was watching Sports Center, and um, you know, PJ Hall from Clemson was on there, and we're doing a Clemson game. Or, you know, Mike Hall was back in the studio today talking about Boo Booey and Northwestern. Great feature that they did. And oh, by the way, here's Boo Booey at the free throw line for the Wildcats. So, I. I'd, Thank, thank God that hasn't happened yet, but uh, I, I hope you didn't just put that in my mind and I, I forget which network I work for. I will say, though, it's always good when you shed out the Sickos committee. Yes, yes, that was, um, you know, it, it had to fit, of course, and we got a 10-9 game. And um, I, I heard from a few people about that. The, it's crazy what people remember. You know, you know, Joel, like you, you think that people are going to remember your big highlight in the third quarter or some story you told, but the two things from the bowl game that I did that people remember, I said the sickos committee on the air and we showed the Minnesota quarterbacks girlfriend too many times. <laughs> so uh, not obviously not what I had in mind going into those, the, those games or really when I walked away and checked my phone, I didn't think those were the two things that would get the most play. The, the funny thing is like, this gets inside baseball, but like for the longest time, I had no idea what the sickos committee was. Like I just, like I'd go on X Twitter um, and I'd see like people retweeting sickos committee. And I was like, and I'm still not sure what it is. I just find it entertaining. Um, so it's like tip of the cap to being able to incorporate the, the college football zeitgeist into, <laughs> into the entertainment for the night. <laughs> it, it really wasn't like, I, I have had a couple of people ask me like, did you plan to do that? And like, no, like I, I really didn't like Dustin, Dustin Fox, who I was working with was just talking about, um, you know, this was a, something about this was a track meet and it turned into a turtle race. And I was like, oh, this is like <laughs> this is stuff that the sickos committee tweets. So happened to happen to sell it a little bit with a ha ha ha. Yes. Since that's their, that's their tagline kind of sarcastically. So, um, that was that was a, a fun spontaneous one that came up going into halftime. Uh, Connor, how do people track you down? Um, how do they find you on social media and, and follow what you're doing next? Yeah, I've I've got a uh, a social account for each network. I try to keep those those in line too. Uh, Wait, do you really? No, no, oh, no. I was no, like, no, no, no. Connor Onion FOX. Yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, yep, Twitter, um, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Um, yeah, it's that's that's the nice part about having the last name that's a vegetable. There aren't many of us out there, so it's just uh, 
just first name, last name on all of them. Although there is a movement from some of my friends to uh, go back to the at young Conzi handle that I had in college. But like that's that's probably retired for good. It's just a good thing there wasn't like an onion farm somewhere that was already taken. You had to pay royalties to. Satirical, satirical, uh, the mag, no, newspaper, the onion. Oh, so, yeah, that will, that, yes. Yeah, that, that exists, but that um, <laughs> Connor, uh, appreciate it, man. Best of, uh, best of luck the rest of the season and, and glad we got a chance to sit down and do this. Yeah, great to see you, Joel. Thanks for having me on.